But let's get into the Word of God this morning. Let's go to the New Testament book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. We're going to read three verses and preach from these verses this morning. And I just ask that you pray for me as, as I try to bring the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll read verses 19 through 21. When you arrive there, if you will please stand to your feet and say amen. Paul writing his protege, this is what he says, Nevertheless, the fountain of God, or the foundation of God, standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. And Lord, I thank you for the folks that are here. God, I just pray that you would bless them for their effort. And God, this morning we pray for the ones that would love to be here. And Lord, the ones that may be in the nursing homes, the hospitals, or, or at home, God, I just pray that you would touch them this morning. And God, I just pray that as we go into your word, Lord, that, that it, would just, it would be made front and center. And God, that you would just move me out of the way, Lord, and use me as your vessel. And Lord, that everything I would say would be pleasing unto you. God, I just pray that you would touch people this morning, Lord, that you would just deal with hearts. Lord, if there's anybody lost, I just pray that you would save them this morning. Lord, if anybody's backslidden, I just pray that you would, Lord, help them to realize their need to come back to you. God, we praise you, Lord, and we thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I've been preaching now for uh, eight years. I started in 2012. It's been a little over eight years. And some of the, uh, you know, a lot of young preachers, and, and I think, Tanner, you're our youngest guy, so I'll pick on you like I always do. If we're not careful, a lot of young guys, young preachers, will come along and, and they'll think they'll have it all figured out. You ever seen a preacher that thought he had it all together and had it all figured out? Anybody ever seen that? And, and, I, and I hope, and I'm not saying Tanner has that attitude, by any means he doesn't, but sometimes what I would catch myself doing when I first started preaching is I thought, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to tell these people about what it is. And, and I've got the answers and, 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 and they're just going to listen to me because they have to. I've got a captive audience. And that's foolish to think like that. And what I found that was more helpful to me uh, through the years than anything was when uh, just a few older preachers would take me aside and they would whisper a piece of advice in my ear. And, and I really appreciated that. My, my pastor, Brother Clayton Lee, his sister's here this morning, Sister Annette, he, he told me two things. He said, he said, when you preach, he said, avoid no subject. Now that's hard in the day and time that we live in, isn't it? That, that there's subjects that some preachers just don't want to touch. There's some places that we might not want to go and some things we might not want to say. But after he told me to avoid no subject, then he said this, and this is a wonderful piece of advice too. He said, fear no reaction. 
Because if the message is truly from God, the reaction, it doesn't matter what it is towards you. Because if the message is from God, the reaction is towards God. Wouldn't you agree with that statement? And so the Apostle Paul is, is about to die here. He's in a Roman prison. And he wrote to his, what he calls his son in the faith. He calls Timothy his son at one point. And Paul is, is giving Timothy this last little bit of advice and, and the book of 2 Timothy, it's a wonderful book, and it, it has a lot of advice in it. Paul tells Timothy things like this. He says in, in chapter 2, verse 15, he said, study to show thyself approved. That's a good piece of advice, isn't it? I believe that every Christian should take that advice. In, in chapter 3, verse 16, he says that all, in, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's a good piece of advice for everybody to know. And then he says this specifically to the preacher, being a young preacher in chapter 4, verse 2. He says, preach the Word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering doctrine. All wonderful pieces of advice. But then we get to chapter, chapter 2, verse 19. And Paul, see, he had started this church. Timothy was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And Timothy didn't have all the answers. Timothy didn't have it all figured out. In fact, Timothy didn't have the advantage that you and I have. He didn't even have a Bible to preach from. Now, wouldn't that be hard for the preacher to get up without a Bible and just preach? And so as he preached, people that were older than him and people that thought they were wiser than Timothy, they would go and they would, they would spread false doctrine in the church. And they would try to, to undermine Timothy sometimes and, and go behind his back. And what he would do is, is he would no doubt write the Apostle Paul. And I wish that we had some of those letters from Timothy to Paul. But Paul would then write back and he would give Timothy these words of advice. As these people were going about it, and, and the particular thing that they were talking about here that was a problem is they said that the dead had already been resurrected. Now, I won't get too deep into that this morning, but if, if you believe that the dead have already been resurrected as the Bible teaches, then we should go home right now. Because if the dead have already been resurrected, there's no reason we should be doing anything because it's all over with, it's all said and done. Because the resurrection of the dead comes at the end, by the way. But that's what they were teaching. And Timothy said, hey, I'm losing folks this morning because they're teaching this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm having to go behind and, and re-explain myself. And so Paul writes these words. And you've got to kind of get in the context here. And, and I'm going to read it. But let's just, let's just read back and start in verse 15. He said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But I like verse 16, and, and sometimes I have to take this advice and, and have to give this advice. It says, but shun profane and vain babblings. That's good advice. Sometimes you just have to put those things aside. He said, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And, and I'll, I'll stop right there and tell you that what this world needs is, is no more ungodliness. We don't need any more of that, do we? Verse 17, he says, And their word will eat as doth the canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. So there's the problem that Paul had this morning, or had when he wrote this letter, as he said that the faith of some were being overthrown. And no doubt that Timothy thought, What am I going to do? How am I going to rectify this situation? 
And so Paul writes this letter, and he writes in verse 19. Pay close attention to what he says. He says, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Did you know that no matter what I say or what you say, it doesn't affect what God has already said. As a preacher, I I can get up here and I can give you opinions. I've got a lot of opinions. Do you have opinions, people? Some of you do. I've heard them. Amen. (laughs) Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. That's not what this message is about. But in spite of, of me and you, and in spite of how we interpret the Bible sometimes, but the Bible says that the Bible's not actually open to interpretation. It says that the Word of God standeth sure. And so we must understand that no matter what's going on in our lives, that the Word of God is already settled. And Paul wanted this young preacher to know that. But he goes on and he elaborates just a little bit further. He says that the word, of, the word of God or the foundation of God stand assured. And then he says this. He says, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Now I have comfort in that this morning. That, that God knows me. you imagine that? I mean, I mean, there's a lot of folks in this world who have no idea who I am. And that's fine. There's a lot of people in Cookville don't have any idea who the pastor of this church is. They drive by it, they see it, and they don't care. And that's okay. But God knows who I am. God knows who I am, and God knows where I am. God knows what's going on in my life. God knows where my wife is this morning and what's going on in her life. God knows Sister Brenda and what's going on in her life. God knows exactly where we are and what is going on. God knows those who are His. But what he's saying there is is he's also implying the fact that God knows who are not his. You see, the, the, the thing about it is, is I can look at somebody that's walking the walk and that's talking the talk, and I may say, hey, that person... They're a good person, and they come to church, and you know they do some things that are good things. But it doesn't matter about what you do. It matters whose you are. And God knows whether you're His or not. I think some people have the impression that maybe that on Judgment Day, that they'll just slip by based on what they've done. And the works that they've, they've done that, that were good. And maybe people think that they're going to slip by into heaven and, and get by because, they have, because they've done more good than bad. But the Bible says that God knows those that are His. And He wants to establish that with Timothy. He wants Timothy to know that those people that were saying those things and that were overthrowing the, the, the faith, those were not the people of God doing that. If you're trying to undermine somebody's faith, I tell you what, you're on thin ice, aren't you, Brother Gary? If you're coming in and you're trying to to tell people and and confuse them on purpose and and flip them over and make them think that something that's not true, you may not be one of his. And then he continues into verse 20. Read with me here. He's going to give us a good example of that. I love illustrations. And I was going to give you an illustration and just failed to bring it this morning, so I'll just tell you about it. But verse 20 says this. It says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. 
Now, some of you at home, here's the example that Paul is, is wanting to give us. He's talking about kitchenware or dinnerware. How many of you at home have a, a china cabinet? Anybody? Most, some of you do. And, and I'll tell you what I saw then, it, it, with the exception of Lauren, all the people that raised their hand were older people, I'm, okay? And, and Lauren, you're, I guess that means you're getting old, all right? But, but you know, you, everybody has a china cabinet, or at least some of you do. And when I was growing up, I would go to my grandparents' house, again, older people, and, and I would look, and they had their china cabinet sitting in the corner, and it was all buffed up and all shined up. My grandmother made sure it was clean, and, and if, uh, if us kids, we touched it, boy, she'd smack our hands. That's the first thing she'd do. Then she'd go get the Windex, and she'd clean it up because she wanted to show off that china, right? And you called it, what, what did you used to call it? Was, it? was it, people would call it fine china? And you only use that stuff on special occasions, right? Now, at my house, if you're, if you're like me, I'm, a, I'm, I'm what, somewhere between a, a millennial and, and a Generation Z or somewhere in that, that age range. And people my age, you know what we consider fine china? A paper plate. And you know why I consider that finer than, than anything glass? Because I don't have to stick it in the dishwasher. I don't have to wash it off. I can just eat out of it and I can throw it in the trash and, and I, can, I can help destroy the planet one paper plate at a time. Amen? But, but really, you think about it, I, I like paper plates, and I do, and, and, I, like, I, and I like paper or no, paper forks, plastic forks, and plastic cups, you know, and, and, and you think, well, you're lazy. Well, I'm busy, okay? I just got other stuff I got to be doing. But, you know, if somebody important was to come over to my house, just for example, I, I don't know, who do y'all consider important? Everybody in here's got a different perception of who's important, right? So let's just say that... that for, for lack of anybody else, I'm looking at you, Brother Albert, and I'll, I'll have you over for dinner one of these days. Let's say Brother Albert's coming over to my house. Now, he's already heard I like to use paper plates. The, the cat's out of the bag. The, the secret's out. But if somebody of, of honor is coming over to my house, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to open the cabinet, and I'm going to give him the very best that I have. And, and not just for Brother Albert, but for pretty much any guest, anybody that, that comes into my house from the outside, as, as best I can do, I'm going to try to give them the best thing that I have and honor them. In fact, if, if you came to my house, unless we're outside grilling, if you're in my house and we're sitting down to a plate of spaghetti or something and I give you a paper plate, I would be, you should be insulted probably. Because I'm not giving you the best that I have. But see, what we have here in the house of God, are, and, and that's what Paul was implicating back then. He's talking about the church at Ephesus, and he's talking about people that are, that are dishonorable and people that are not giving the very best that they have. These people that are trying to overthrow the faith of some. He's talking about the church. He says in a mighty house or in a big house, he's referring to maybe a church or maybe in the body of Christ. You can look at it from this angle. And he says that, that there, are, there are vessels of gold and silver. Now, I don't have anything that's gold or silver at my house. I can go ahead and tell you that. I, I'm not into that kind of thing. I, I'm not into jewelry and gold and silver. So those, those type things don't impress me. But Paul's implication here is giving the very best that you have to God. And I think that some of us, if we're not careful, 
And it's easy to do because, because we can do it out of laziness sometimes is, is sometimes we'll give God our paper plates, won't we? Instead of our very best. I believe that, that we should want to honor God with everything that we do. But yet we get so caught up in other things. We get so busy and we're, we're going in, in so many other directions. That's why I use it because it, it's quick. It's easy. You can, you can do it and you can be done with it and you can go on. And if we're not careful, that's how we treat our relationship with God. Hey, we, we know we've got to do it. We know we've got to have this relationship. But let's make this thing as quick as we can. Let's, let's, let's trim all the extra stuff off and let's streamline it. And let's just go to church and get this thing over with and move on with life. People a lot of times just view their relationship with God and, and they're coming into the house of God is, is just a, another thing that we do. But let me tell you, your relationship with God, it should be central in your life. It should be what everything else in your life revolves around. Everything in your life should be centered upon God. And you should want to give God your very, very, very best. Another example I can think of is to honor somebody is, is when I ask Lacey to marry me. And that's been eight years ago in, in March, I believe. We got married real fast. And when I, when I sat down there with her... I had, I had went to the jewelry store and I had picked out a pretty nice ring. Now, it's not, it's not as nice as some rings, but I considered it nice, okay? It was expensive to me at the time. And I asked her to marry me with that ring. But how do you think my wife would have felt if I would have reached down in the bottom of a Cracker Jack box to get her ring to ask her to marry me? Anybody, did anybody here do that with their wife? Don't raise your hand, man. You'll get punched in the side of the head probably. But you know why I wanted to give her the nicest thing that I could give her? Now, I, I heard an old saying that you're supposed to spend two months' salary on your wedding band. That's, that's ridiculous to me. Who, whoever would spend two months' worth of pay on a wedding ring is crazy, but, but that's just free. You don't, have to, you don't have to take that. But the reason I did that is because I love her. Because I wanted to give her nice things. I mean, if she, if she really loved me like she said she, she does, and I believe she does, then that Cracker Jack ring would have made her happy. She would have said, okay, it's just a symbol. But at the end of the day, I wanted to give her something that was nice. I wanted to give her the very best that I could. I would encourage you this morning to quit giving God what's left over in your life. Quit giving God the, the, the paper plate religion. I never thought of that. I was going to have a, a paper plate and a, a glass plate, you know, and ask you which one you'd want to eat off of. But which one do you think we need to serve God on? Because that's what we're doing. We're, just, we're serving God, right? We're, we're offering things to God, whether it be our money or whether it be our time or, or our talents or whatever it may be that we have to offer God. We should want to give it to Him on the best thing that we have. But then he goes on, he doesn't stop with verse 20. He goes on in verse 21 and he starts to sort of elaborate. He talks about this in verse 21. He says, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. 
So to elaborate a little bit on what he was saying before, he was talking about, if you go back to verse 19, I'll just read the end of it there. It says, And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity, or depart from sin. And then he goes on and he, he, he adds to that thought in verse 21. He says, And if any man or if a man therefore purge himself from these. What's he talking about? What are these? He's talking about sins. Wouldn't you agree with that? And the word purge means this. A lot of people like to do this. If you're on Facebook these days, you'll see people, they'll have, they'll have closet purges. You ever seen that? I've seen some of you in here do it. And what is a purge? It's when you take what you don't want or what you don't need or what's not of any use to you anymore and you just simply push it out. That's what the word purge means. It means to take what, what, what you don't need and just to, just to push it out and get rid of it, to throw it in the trash. And a lot of people, they'll do that. We'll, we'll, we'll throw out what we don't need. We'll, we'll get it out of our way. And, and the reason that we do that a lot of times as, as, as Americans is we, the reason we're moving stuff out of the way so we can put more stuff in its place, right? Anybody ever do that? I'm looking at a few of you, okay? But sometimes we do that. Sometimes we're guilty of that. But Paul particularly is talking about getting sin out of our life. And he talks about the vessel. He doesn't end the vessel thought here. He says, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified. We don't use that word a lot in the church, the Free Will Baptist Church, sanctified. But that means to be clean and to be right. See, I, I believe that God has some expectations and some standards for his people. You can go silent on me or you can say amen. It doesn't matter. See, I believe this, and it may be, you may say I'm old-fashioned, you may, but I just believe it's what the Bible teaches. That if you're saved, that, that if, if you believe, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you probably ought to live like somebody. <laughs> yeah, that, that hits home, don't it? See, the thing about it is, is, is those, when I do use those glass plates at my house, and that's not very often, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, is the thing about a glass plate is in order to use it again, it's got to be clean. And if you're not careful, what you'll do, and, and some of you are real good at this, is you'll take that plate and you'll put it in the sink and you'll walk off and leave it. Anybody ever done that? You'll walk off and you'll leave it, and then a few days later, or it may be it may be something else, forks, spoons, glasses, whatever it is. And a few days later, you'll you'll want to eat something or you'll want to drink something, and you'll go hunting for that plate or that glass or that spoon or that fork or whatever that particular thing may be, and you'll start looking for it. And then you'll smell it. Anybody ever been there? Am I the only one that's ever seen this? Some of you are laughing like, yeah, I've got some dirty dishes at the house and some of you are looking at, I better go clean them right now. But it's no good to use if it's not clean, right? I mean, nobody in here wants to eat off a dirty plate. 
Nobody in here wants to, wants to, go, to the, go to the sink and pull out the dirty plate that we ate from last week and it's, it's got stuff on it, or ju- even from yesterday, I, I, not even last week, but, but from just a few hours ago, whenever it is, or you're going to cook and a skillet's dirty, or whatever the situation may be, nobody, nobody, nobody wants to use something that's dirty. Amen? You think God does? Paul said here, he says that the vessel has to be purged. Now we've already established, hopefully, that you and I, we are the vessels, right? We're, we're vessels for God's use. You know, a vessel can, can do anything. A lot of times we think of a vessel, when I think of a, a vessel in the Bible, I think of like, a, like a, something made out of, of clay, like out of pottery. Is that what you kind of think of? That's just what I think of. But really, a vessel is anything that, that has a use. And particularly, as I said, Paul's talking about things that you would eat out of and drink out of and, and use for meals. But see, the thing about it is, is, is that if the vessel is not ready for use, then it is absolutely no good to anybody. And a lot of times what happens is that we will, we will try to give God something, and then we'll get dirty, and we won't take care of it right then. Did you know, and, and I know I'm talking about washing dishes a lot, and some of you may need to just hear a message about washing dishes, okay? I don't know what it is. But did you know that if the longer you leave those dishes in the sink, the harder they are to scrub off? Or, or if you've baked something in a casserole dish and, and, and goodness, you leave it setting for a couple of days with what's left over and you finally eat the leftovers out of it and then you got that ring around the outside. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I, I know it's humorous, but y'all understand what I'm saying here, don't you? It's the longer that you leave sin in your life, if you're not careful, the harder it's going to be to get rid of it. That if you just let that thing grow and and you let it stay there, it's going to get sticky and and it may get hard and it may be that, that you're going to have to get down and you're going to have to use some elbow grease to get rid of it. It may be that you're going to have to, to do some things that are not real comfortable to get rid of that sin in your life. But, but listen to me, we have to get rid of that sin because I believe God expects us to. And the beautiful thing about it is God will forgive us of that sin. God, will, God is willing and able and ready to say, I forgive you. Yes, I want to use you. I want to do something in your life. But I would hate to know that every time that God wanted to use me to do something, that I'd have to say, hold on, God, I've got to get clean right now. God, I've got a lot of buildup in my life. I've got a lot of sins that I need to move out of the way. I've, before I can do that or before I can go there or before I can talk to that person, I've got to get rid of some things. We should always be ready. He says that right here. He says that we should be a vessel sanctified unto honor. And it says, and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. That word meet, M-E-E-T right there, it just means ready for the master's use and prepared. That means that at all times you are ready to go for God's service. And I believe that God calls us all to his service. You may have a different service than I do. My service is to preach and to pastor and to teach and to give the Word of God. And you may have a different service, but I promise that if you're a child of God, God has something for you to do for the advancing of His kingdom. 
And I'll tell you this, and, and, and it's a, in, in my life especially, I, I know this, that when I stand here in this pulpit to be used of God, I had better be clean. It's, it's, it's a dangerous thing for a preacher to walk into a pulpit with sin in his life. I'll tell you this, and, and, and I hate to admit it, but I'm just, I'm just going to tell you the truth. There's been times that, that I've been preaching, and I read something from the very Scripture that I'm preaching that identifies something in my life. And if I'm not careful, it, it, it'll convict me right there. Now, that's a bad situation for the preacher to have to be in to ask God to forgive him in the middle of a sermon. But it's probably happened. And I would hope that we would live our lives in such a way that we're clean. How long has it been? I'll ask you a question since you've really been clean for God. I mean, we try to live right, don't we? For the most part, I would say that everybody in here, I, I don't think anybody in here just goes out and just does what we consider a lot of bad things. I mean, we probably don't have any bank robbers, any murderers, or, or anything that we just consider heinous crimes or, or awful sin. We probably don't have a lot of those folks in here. But see, the thing about it is, is whether it's big or, or whether it's little, it still needs to be gotten rid of. God still expects us to get rid of these things so that we can be ready, so that when He calls, we can say, God, I'm ready to go right now. There's nothing I hate worse than that at the house. If I'm looking for a, a skillet, I like to cook fried eggs. And, and, and here's another little example. I like to cook fried eggs. And, you know, you make a mess in the skillet, right, with grease and all that. And they're bad for you. I understand that. And I'll make them and I'll eat them for breakfast and I'll go on about my day. And the next day I want to cook fried eggs. And guess what? There's this dirty skillet. And I'll get my eggs out and I'll get my, my, my oil out and all that and get ready. But then I've got to take that extra time to clean the skillet. I think sometimes we do that. God will have everything in line. God will have everything out ready to go. He'll have everything put in its proper place. And then he says, Tanner, are you ready? Tanner says, well, no, God, I've, I've got some things I need to straighten out. I've got some people I need to go to and ask to, to forgive me and, and some things in my life that I'm not proud of. Lord, could you, you wait till a later date? Lord, can you, can you call me later? And we'll put God off. And Paul's advice to Timothy, this has been a little bit scattered, but he, he wants people to know and he wants you to understand that those people, they were, they were not ready for the master's use. They were not vessels to honor. They were vessels to dishonor. And I hope that everyone in the church this morning is a vessel for God's honor. But no doubt there's probably some dishonorable people in here. Probably some vessels that are not ready to go. Maybe some, some paper plates. You're just treating God as, as, as if He's just, just lazy and you can just throw it away. I hope that's not you. But it may be. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, and we thank you for all that you do. And God, I just pray that, that this message would go out, Lord, and, and you would deal with people's hearts. And Lord, I just pray that maybe you would identify sin in people's life. I understand that it's not a subject that people want to talk about and that people want to hear preached on. But God, your word says that if we name your name, 
that we are to depart from our iniquity. And Lord, I just pray that people would, would examine themselves, God, and that, that you as the Holy Spirit would, would begin to identify people's sin in their life. And Lord, if it's been there for a while, God, and, and maybe it, they've grown hard and they've grown, grown just to where it's going to be hard to remove, God, I just pray that you would soften hearts this morning. And Lord, that you would help people, Lord, to be ready to be used. God, I believe that you can move in a mighty way still. And Lord, your power has not diminished one bit. But God, you need people that are willing to be your hands and your feet in this world. God, cleanse us from our sin. In Jesus' name.